0: Previously on the Jive Yak podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play a bunch of clips from the past episode. I, I literally don't have that to do. So, welcome back to the season premiere of the Jive Yak, part two in a two part series. Uh, Last time I had a conversation with Duncan Kirkwood concerning his then-candidacy for the Erie County Legislature, and John was in studio with me to talk about, well, we, we, we talked about everything. You may not have heard it in the first part because, well, the conversation lasted so long it needed to be split up into two parts. Hence why we're here now. So, hopefully, there won't be a lot of screaming, at least on the mic and frustration. But fear not, dear listener. You and I will find that out together. Now, there have been a few updates on some of the stories that uh, were covered when John and I recorded this. So, I've added a new segment for the podcast called More To Say. What is it? Eh, you'll find out later. So, now that you're updated, let's continue.
1: So, involving touchy subjects and what's going on when it comes down to uh, encampments and human rights being violated, Mm -hmm. on the other side of the globe, China is committing ethnocide against the Uyghur population in the Xinjiang province. Wait, 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 What's going on? China's committing ethnocide against the Uyghur population in the Xinjiang province.
0: Pretend I have no idea what that means.
1: Okay, so the Uyghur population is a Muslim population that lives within the border of China, towards the northern area near Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Well... What's happening there is is that uh, the Chinese are forcing the women of the Uyghur population to marry Chinese men, and they are interning the men into camps and forcing them into re rehabilitation programs to make them absorb more of the Chinese culture and become more Chinese.
0: Oh, uh, okay, so. It's, it's, it's
1: a bad form of assimilation.
0: Yes, that's oh. what
1: ethnocide is. It's, it's not killing the population, but slowly forcing them to lose their culture and embrace yours, like we did with the Native Americans. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is, is that uh, with uh, what's happening in Xinjiang, uh, there have been calls to the uh, global community to speak up against it. And uh, there is only one nation that came out and spoke against it. And it was not the United States. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. So, the one country that came out and spoke against it was Turkey. Turkey was the only country to speak out against China. But the reason why is because Turkey has ties with the Uyghur population in Xinjiang. Because back in the day, much of the Uyghur population uh, came from Turkey at one point. So back there in the days of the Ottoman Empire and even all the way back to uh, Alexander the, the Great. Now they're being wiped out and... No one across the globe is saying anything, and they're allowing this to go on. Which is telling you a lot of what's going on in the global community nowadays, not just in the United States, but around the world. When it comes down to mass violations of human rights and the stripping of our civil liberties, it is a global catastrophe right now. And it's very, very concerning. Because the fact that we can have this happening... In the U.S. with the migrant issues, in China with the Uyghur population, even in places like Saudi Arabia with how they treat their citizens, not allowing the women to drive, and all these other all these other issues, the world is becoming a darker place, darker than it usually is. it seems like the old ways that were established after World War II are starting to slowly fade and die. Our policies we put in place to protect human rights and protect people, protect minorities from being wiped out, tortured, and assimilated, is all going away. And I feel like we are heading into a dark future at the current moment. And this is going to affect the global community of democracies the most. Because the more this happens, the more our freedoms get stripped from us. And not just that, but our neighbors, our friends, both in our current country that we live in, as well as our neighbors across the pond, we all deal with this sense of conviction that we could have done something, but we chose not to. When that day comes when it turns on us and we have to speak for our actions. And I think that when it comes down to it, we need to talk more and we need to have more discussions about these issues. A lot of people want to throw it up to the side and ignore it. When it comes down to it, we need to discuss it. No matter how ugly it is. The thing is is that the uglier the problem, the more we should be discussing it. You need to bring those skeletons out of the closet and to the forefront. You can't let them be left to hide. Because they fester. They're like mold. They grow and they grow and they grow. Until it comes down to the whole entire issue that you don't know it. One day, that's affecting you. Yeah.
0: I I can I can't really disagree with that. It it it's it's definitely a situation that needs attention and the only thing that a lot of people would worry about would be is would be if we as a nation try to make a stand up against China in regards to that because one they hold so much of our debt they they basically own us. And two, because of that, our leaders are too weak to do anything about it.
1: The funny thing is when it comes down to debt that a lot of people don't realize is that national debt is nothing similar to personal debt. National debt, you don't really need to pay off. National debt, you can actually just forget about and just say, I'm not paying it and walk away. And the thing is, is that debt will... Play in a temporary effect on a nation. It is not a permanent effect, because a temporary effect is you are slowly pulling yourself off of that nation's uh, resources mm-hmm. that you're getting that you're that you're getting your trade from, and you're distributing it to other communities across the globe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Debt is a form of compensation and return for you from you purchasing their products from their nation it is merely a way to give credence to the trade network that we have established across the globe that sucks (laughs) because you can't (laughs) do that with personal loans you can't just walk away and say I'm not paying you back I know that stuff stays on your credit I know the The way governments spend money and the way people spend money are totally different. Then why do they need our money? That's my question. Like, if they can get money elsewhere, why do they also need our money that we don't always get back? Because I got a simple answer for you with this. It's three three words. Hmm. Military, industrial, complex. Mm -hmm. Yep, that makes sense. All our money goes towards that. Yep, and funding all that biographer—the old dudes who can't get it up. I did not need that image in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so
0: before I get in trouble as host with these two, we're gonna switch gears. All right, we're going—we're <laughs> going to go back into pol- politics and. Um, bring back what uh what I played at the beginning of the episode where you had Mitch McConnell say that we don't need reparations and while my dear wife and EP takes away my fries that I was snacking on I am going to play a nice little whose fault is that we we This is being recorded and we have not eaten at all today. So we're a little bit hungry. Full disclosure, people. Yeah, (laughs) four four o'clock at the time of recording this. So um, what what I want to play for you is a clip from uh, a hearing that was done when it came to uh, a house resolution. Oh, thank you. A House res- resolution to research. No, notice what research HR forty, which would be to research the effects of reparations. Um, if you're wondering what reparations mean, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Reparations is the act of making amends or giving satisfaction for a wrong or injury. Uh, something that is done or given as amends or satisfaction. The payment of damages. A repairing or keeping and repair. You are going to be hearing from Tanahasi Colts. And he's going to talk about why Mitch McConnell was wrong in his assessment of why we don't need reparations.
2: Yesterday, when asked about reparations, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell offered a familiar reply. America should not be held liable for something that happened 150 years ago since none of us currently alive are responsible. This rebuttal proffers a strange theory of governance, that American accounts are somehow bound by the lifetime of its generations. But well into this century, the United States was still paying out pensions to the heirs of Civil War soldiers. We honor treaties that date back some 200 years, despite no one being alive who signed those treaties. Many of us would love to be taxed for the things we are solely and individually responsible for but we are American citizens, and thus bound to a collective enterprise that extends beyond our individual and personal reach. It would seem ridiculous to dispute invocations of the founders or the greatest generation on the basis of a lack of membership in either group. We recognize our lineage as a generational trust, as inheritance, and the real dilemma posed by reparations is just that, a dilemma of inheritance. It is impossible to imagine America without the inheritance of slavery. As historian Ed Baptist has written, enslavement, quote, shaped every crucial aspect of the economy and politics of America so that by 1836, more than 600 million, almost half of the economic activity in the United States derived directly or indirectly from the cotton produced by the millionard slaves. By the time the enslaved were emancipated, they comprised the largest single asset in America, $3 billion in $1860 more than all the other assets in the country combined. The method of cultivating this asset was neither gentle cajoling nor persuasion, but torture, rape, and child trafficking. Enslavement reigned for 250 years on these shores. When it ended, this country could have extended its hallowed principles, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all regardless of color. But America had other principles in mind. And so for a century after the Civil War, black people were subjected to a relentless campaign of terror, a campaign that extended well into the lifetime of Majority Leader McConnell. It is tempting to divorce this modern campaign of terror, of plunder, from enslavement. But the logic of enslavement, of white supremacy, respects no such borders and the god of bondage was lustful and begat many heirs. Coup d'etats and convict leasing, vagrancy laws and debt peonage, redlining and racist GI bills, poll taxes and state-sponsored terrorism. We grant that Mr. McConnell was not alive for Appomattox, but he was alive for the electrocution of George Stenney. He was alive for the blinding of Isaac Woodward. He was alive to witness kleptocracy in his native Alabama and a regime premised on electoral theft. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation yesterday, as well he should, because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. He was alive for the redlining of Chicago and the looting of black homeowners of some $4 billion. Victims of that plunder are very much alive today. I am sure they'd love a word with the majority leader. What they know, what this committee must know, is that while emancipation deadbolted the door against the bandits of America, Jim Crow wedged the windows wide open. And that is the thing about Senator McConnell's something. It was 150 years ago, and it was right now. The typical black family in this country has one-tenth the wealth of the typical white family. Black women die in childbirth at four times the rate of white women. And there is, of course, the shame of this land of the free, boasting the largest prison population on the planet, of which the descendants of the enslaved make up the largest share. The matter of reparations is one of making amends and direct redress, but it is also a question of citizenship. In H.R. 40, this body has a chance to both make good on its 2009 apology for enslavement and reject fair-weather patriotism. To say that a nation is both its credits and its debits. That if Thomas Jefferson matters, so does Sally Hemings. That if D-Day matters, so does Black Wall Street. That if Valley Forge matters, so does Fort Pillow. Because the question really is, not whether we will be tied to the somethings of our past, but whether we are courageous enough to be tied to the whole of them, thank you.
0: That that was his speech. So when it comes down to reparations, you have people who look at it and argue, well, you can't do a monetary thing, or you're going to disenfranchise the, the African American community and make them feel like they are victims. And I do not agree with that. Uh, so where, where I come down when it comes to reparations, there is a lot that can be done in, in this country as a way to actually repair what was done to African Americans from slave time on to modern day. And if you want to take money out of it, for, for the sake of argue, argument at this time, fine. Let's take money out of it. Let's start with what would actually be helpful. Number one, let's get rid of the Electoral College. That was one of the things that has been around since the founding not, not to make it easier for people to vote, but to make it so that only a few could. And when it came to human beings in the African slave trade, they were each considered three-fifths a person. Us talking now, At that point in time, was, one, impossible, and two, we would both be killed. Get rid of that, and it will affect not only African Americans, but it will affect everyone who feels disenfranchised by the political office.
1: You will finally feel like your vote matters
0: because at that point in time it would we would actually go into a true representative democracy where one person has one vote it's not going to matter about who wins in new york and california new york and california don't hold most of the population in this nation
1: another thing that i think we should get rid of that would definitely be a good form of reparation. That'd be, I think it would be the best form of reparation aside from the uh, Electoral College. It would be uh, getting rid of the gerrymandering.
0: Boy, do I have an article about that! <laughs> <laughs> I
1: expect as much so. Oh,
0: when, it, when I told you I was doing a lot of research on this episode, I was not lying. Um. Yes, getting rid of gerrymandering—that is a major sticking point. Making it so that no party, Democrat or Republican, no one can map out a specific way to have an unfair advantage. Now, let let me bring up. I I'm so glad you brought it up because I wasn't sure if I was going to if I was going to
1: uh, talk about this
0: uh this is an article again from the huffington post
1: and I'm, I'm just gonna interrupt real quick if you're gonna have me on we're gonna cover every single basis so because i'm not gonna let anything slip <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey hey i wasn't sure i i don't even know if i sent this article to you no oh well, hey, look at that <laughs> headline uh Repub- oh, uh
1: just a just a little background knowledge for everyone we do send articles to each other to kind of figure out what we're going to discuss usually. So, Yeah.
0: And, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes eh, we don't cover everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, headlines. Republicans are freaking out over deceased gerrymandering ex- experts files. Uh, North Carolina Republican lawmakers seeking to suppress potentially damaging files from a former GOP redistricting guru accused the expert's daughter of committing larceny when she obtained them. The accusation came in a blistering filing in state court over the information of the hard drives, which may contain explosive information about how the operative Thomas Hoffler gerrymandered on behalf of Republicans in North Carolina and across the country. Those files have the potential to shake up multiple uh, legal battles, including a case over whether the Trump administration can add a question about citizenship to the census and whether North Carolina Republican lawmakers lied to federal judges about gerrymandering based on racial data. Now Republicans are trying to keep the files private. This, this is a daughter who found the drives after her father passed away.
1: And decided to try and do the right thing.
0: and And send them off to the authorities. And these Republicans are so freaked out over it because that will ruin their advantage. They would literally have no choice but to go into a fair election, which let's be honest when it comes to elections, it's based off of turnout and it's based off of how these districts are shaped. Because even in New York, there has been some questionable districts formed. Gerrymandering is everywhere. If if a party has control of the state government, they have the ability every 10 years to redraw the district lines. And that lies in the problem. So... Yes, gerrymandering is something that would definitely help with. Wait,
2: we have a little more to say.
0: Yeah, so we have a little bit more to talk about. I guess that's what you get when you break down a season opener into parts. And, you know, you wait and edit and, you know, news comes out. So let, let's stay on the topic of gerrymandering for a second. Uh, as it turns out, this current year in the Supreme Court, uh, they didn't have many cases, but one of the big ones that uh, the justices ruled on was based on gerrymandering. And according to an article on Yahoo uh, headline, the US Supreme Court says partisan gerrymandering is not its problem. Uh, The Supreme Court decided two cases about partisan gerrymandering that the nation's political buffs had awaited breathlessly. Consolidating the two matters out of Maryland and North Carolina, the majority determined that district rigging is a, quote, non-justicable political question, end quote. In In other words, it's not for the high court to decide whether districts were inappropriately rigged to favor representation for a particular political party. Still, Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the majority opinion that the decision to send the matters back to the lower courts to be vacated for lack of jurisdiction shouldn't be confused with court support for partisan gerrymandering. The court simply could not expand its powers, he, he concluded. But states can and should, and some already are, address ma- gerrymandering through their own constitutions and legislatures," he writes. So the courts cannot decide whether or not a district map is unfavorably swayed towards one political party than the other, which I find completely crazy. But that is why we bring up not only gerrymandering as a fix for reparations, but we bring in a couple of topics. So I just wanted to let you guys know this, and I hope that you enjoyed this little time out because there was more to discuss. Let's get back to the episode. Getting rid of the electoral college is definitely something that can help. When it comes to uh, when it comes to the historical black colleges, having it so that the students going there actually have the same amount of access to scholarships and grants would help when it comes to education making scholarships and grants available for trade schools if someone doesn't want to go to college but would still like secondary information in a trade.
1: Properly funding the uh, school systems within inner cities.
0: And the number, besides getting rid of Electoral College, the biggest thing that would help would be a complete and utter overhaul of our criminal justice system. That means getting rid of private prisons. That means getting rid of cash bails. You, you have people rotting away in jail for the rest of their lives because they were caught with a few ounces of marijuana. But you have Brock Turner who raped someone. The, the lady was unconscious and she was raped by him had witnesses, in jail for a few months, and fought with his lawyers on trying to get him to not be registered as a sex offender because he was young. He didn't know any better. And why would you do that to him? We're in the episode with an article that I came across with that just made me boil last night. But when you look at things like that, yes, overhaul our justice system.
1: And not just that. But another thing to add into there, too, a lot of people don't uh, take in consideration with the abortion crisis that's going on with the Republicans. People think, oh, the Republicans are doing this because of religious reasons. There's a religious cause to it. No, think it over, people this actually does have ties to the black community because the thing is is that it's been shown in studies that the one group that does get abortions the most is usually in the black community and the reason why the republican party wants to use this is because they want to be able to suppress the black vote in these southern states better so by having these states be able to make abortion illegal they can arrest more people and have them taken off the ballots it's a precaution to help their cause it's not because of religious reasons it's because they're trying to suppress votes to keep them in power because the thing is is that guess what people the Republican partys starting to wane they're starting to break they're starting to crack they're trying to go to the most extremes now because they're trying to just get by and survive because they f- because the fact is they know that the younger generation is more liberal the ba- the black community is liberal too And they are a dying breed. They're not going to be around much longer.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to bring up the history of reparations because I'm on reparations.org under history of reparations. And I just want to bring up Canada, 1991. I was a little kid at that point. I don't know how Were you even born in 1991? I was born in 93. Oh, you weren't even thought of. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Canada. In 1991, the Canadian government established a Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples to investigate the state of Canada's removal of indigenous Canadian children from their families and placement in church-run Indian residential schools, in an effort to homogenize Canadian society. As a result of the commission's recommendations, the government issued a symbolic apology and a statement of reconciliation, admitting that the schools were designed on racist models of assimilation. In addition, the government provided 350 of. million fund for those affected by the schools. In 2006, the federal government signed the Indian Residential School Settlement Agreement, agreeing to provide reparations to the survivors of this program. The settlement totals $2 billion and includes financial compensation, a truth commission, and support services.
1: And just a little note for people two billion dollars sounds like a lot for a government that's a drop in the bucket that's a penny equivalent that is nothing compared to how much a government spends especially our government we could afford something like that and when it comes down to reparations that won't even affect one percent of our military budget if we were to pay back the black community
0: they this was for the original people living in canada they weren't the original people who had to deal with this. They weren't around. They weren't around by that time. No, it was the descendants of these people who had that. Okay? Jamaica. In 2004, a a coalition of Rastafari groups argued that European countries formerly involved in the slave trade, especially Britain, should pay 72.5 billion pounds sterling to resettle 500,000 Jamaican Rastafarians in Africa. The claim was rejected by the British government, which said it could not be held accountable for wrongs in past countries. In 2012, Jamaica revived, re, yeah, revived its reparations commission to consider the question of whether the country should seek an apology or reparations from Britain for its role in the slave trade. Now, that's from 2012 where that is still going on. But you, you're you going to have nations who will look and go, oh, well, we, we can't be blamed for what we did. That's, that's just not right. Let's move on. No, you do something wrong, you pay for it. And it's, it's not a matter of saying that, oh, Europeans are evil, Europeans are bad. It's a matter of that is the original sin. From what all these politicians are saying, Mitch McConnell said, That's the original sin. H.R. 40 is not to do with getting reparations, getting money out to descendants of slaves. It is researching. That is literally going, I know slavery is bad. Let's talk about, let's research what we might be able to do to fix it. No, I don't want to. We're missing something here. Some, something's being lost in the shuffle when it comes to it.
1: When it comes down to big issues, things that affect the society as a whole, they should always be the forefront thing to talk about. As, as said earlier, you cannot suppress those types of subjects. You suppress them, they fester. The fact that the Republican Party, Mitch McConnell is doing this, it's because it's a sensitive topic that's going to play a large role on the Republican Party.
0: Oh, yeah, because you you, we talk about, again, all these solutions that don't include getting direct money to the descendants of slaves, what we discussed, that will play a role in educating the masses that will play a role in changing up the entire field. And play a role in making those who feel disenfranchised. Like their voice actually means something again. So yes. The Republican party most likely is afraid of that. So they will rather point. Switch the subject. Hey look over there. Look at this distraction. Don't look at what we're talking about. No 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 no. 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 Because we're not the bad guys. They're the bad guys. And, and that's not where we need to be okay it reparations is something that can work on different things and
1: it's it's something that we should that we should begin the ball on it's not something we're going to be able to solve within a year it's not something we're going to be able to solve within possibly five years but the fact that if we can as a community as a society start the conversation, start this ball rolling, and work our way, we can finally get things where they should be for a period like we are in now, in 2019, where we we are able to discuss our own faults as a society and make clear that, yes, we made mistakes and we apologize. We are sorry for what we have done as a person who is white i know for a fact we obviously we've done a lot to hurt the minority communities even our own selves and as a person who's white it's not something that you know has faded from my mind i think about it now and then and not just that but i think about the effects that what's happening nowadays and how it plays on the minority communities so
0: Uh, Before we move on to the next topic, I just wanted to, I I wanted to bring up, I I, I said we were going to end the episode with this article, but I I just can't. (laughs) No, no, no. We're talking about reparation. We're going to to talk about this idiot. Uh, So. Uh, Headline, sentencing looms in Charlottesville, attack man seeks mercy. Uh, The the self-avowed white supremacist who plowed his car into counter demonstrators opposing a white nationalist rally in Virginia two years ago, killing one person and injuring dozens, has asked a judge for mercy and a sentence shorter than life in prison lawyers for alex fields jr who's 22 said in a sentencing memo submitted in court documents friday that the defendant should not spend his entire life in prison because of his age a traumatic childhood and a history of mental illness Fields pleaded guilty to federal hate crimes in March and is set to be sentenced on June 28th. Quote, no amount of punishment imposed on James can repair the damage he caused to dozens of innocent people, but this court should find that retribution has limits, his attorneys wrote. He's, he's 22 years old. Went to the Unite the Right rally. Was one of those people screaming, Jews will not replace us, blood and soil and anything else. And he got in a car and mowed down counter demonstrators, killing one, injuring others and backed up. And ran away like a coward.
1: But he wants mercy. What you gotta say? So, can you read me that definition of uh, terrorism?
0: Terrorism, according to Google, the lawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians, in the pursuit of political aims.
1: During his trials and during his – and and even just the discussion of his crimes, across the news and across uh, just the court case that's been going on, have you heard that term be used at all, Brent? No. But they use that term for everything else. Oh, yeah. And am I right that terrorists commit – Crimes for political reasons. Oh,
0: yes, and anybody, anybody darker than you, mm-hmm. if they do something, they're terrorists.
1: So, here's the thing I understand why is it that we're sending people that are civilians that have nothing to do with terrorism just because of their skin color to Guantanamo Bay to be tortured? Not, because, providing any, not providing any actual useful evidence at all.
0: Because we have no idea if they're even alive when they get to Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. Let, let's just be honest.
1: And, and yet this one white guy, this poor, apparently innocent, what, 21? Child
0: old? of 20 years old yeah. at the time.
1: A child of 20 years old deserves to be given a light sentence for his crimes. Now, here's the thing. I am a person who doesn't believe in the death penalty, but I think if you commit an act of terrorism, which he did, he should receive either one, a very lengthy sentence or two, life in prison. And I was saying to uh, Brent earlier through text, I say give him 60 years or up or life in prison for his crimes. He shouldn't be given anything less.
0: I say give him life in prison because mm-hmm. people live longer than 80.
1: Oh no I know I know. The thing is is that the 60 is I, I, can, I, I don't I can't go any bit lower than that. Because the fact is that I'm just trying to take in consideration the way the judge is going to rule. That's the reason why. But the fact is is that if you give this guy less than 60, that's how you know our judicial system is messed up. Because there's one thing. You can see it in the media all the time with the wording. If it's ever a white person who commits a crime, they're considered. it's considered a lone wolf attack. It's never considered a terrorist attack. If you're black... Muslim, Hispanic, it's considered a terrorist attack all the time.
0: If you're black, gang violence. Mm -hmm. If you're Muslim, terrorist. If you are Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Mexican, gang violence. Mm -hmm. You're, You're from the cartel. But if you are European, he's just a young kid who doesn't know any better. We need to feel bad for him. This isn't a terrorist attack. They're just misunderstood. Bite me.
1: People were killed. People died. People were injured. Some with life-threatening injuries due to this guy with his freaking vehicle running others over. There in that moment, was he thinking of mercy for those that he was hurting? No! Now that he's actually being handled okay while he's in prison, not dealing with broken limbs or or any type of physical issue or even traumatic experience from the event that he caused, mercy is to be given to him, to be bestowed upon him, because he had a bad childhood, because he had issues. I'm gonna give you people a little personal background. Brent knows this. My childhood wasn't nice. I dealt with a lot of stuff when I was a kid. It's what made me into the person that I am. And it didn't. it, it made me question who I was when I was a kid. I'll admit, I used to be a very, very far right-winger when I, was a, when I was younger, around the age of 16. And that was caused by my personal experience, yes, but the thing was is that it didn't enact me the violence. It was merely a thought process of a young child at the time, of a kid. But the thing is is that he's 20 years old, He isn't a kid anymore. They say by the time you hit 18, you have already decided your political affiliation. The chances of you switching sides drops dramatically by 80% upon your political affiliation at that point. He... ...was consciously choosing to take the actions he did. Because he wanted to be a martyr. He wanted to be the symbol for his buddies. That's what he was thinking at the time. It's very obvious. The thing is, is that... ...you can take two actions in this world... ...from your personal experiences... You can take one, like his, and take out your anger on the world. Sort your issues through violence. Hurt others. And repeat the cycle. Or you can take actions like mine. And learn. And learn. I dealt with my personal issues. The person who harmed me. I got back in contact with and I told him I forgave him for his actions and I moved past it the thing is is that as a a society we need to think first before we act you need to think logically how are my actions going to affect others the first thing I thought When it came down to me trying to resolve my issues was what would my future kids think of this? What would people of the future think of this? What would, what can I learn from this? Will this help me? Will this make me better? Will this make me feel whole? When you take that type of road like I did, you will be able to get anywhere in life because you are willing to learn
0: say 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 that again say that again
1: you're willing to learn the thing is is about life you learn and you adapt you learn and you adapt and the biggest thing that is the greatest gift that any human being can receive Is the gift of forgiveness when it comes down to the person committing, when it comes down to the person who has been attacked or hurt by the person who's been committing the crime. But the thing is, when you have someone who commits atrocities like this, and yes, it is an atrocity, it's ridiculous. The fact that in, 2019, that in 2019, we're dealing with white supremacists, Nazis, neo-Nazis, says a lot. We shouldn't have to be dealing with this anymore. That is stuff that should be left in the 1960s and 70s.
0: We're, we're dealing with this in America, the, the, the country that fought against the Nazis.
1: I know. The country that fought against the white supremacists. The country that fought against... Nazi Germany, the country that brought together a nation during the civil rights movement. Mm. We are going back in time because of this. Because the fact is is that, guess what? People aren't willing to learn. And the thing is is that we need to get our act together. And we need to start learning again. We need to start forgiving again. And the thing is, is that people like this guy, forgiveness should be given, but upon his crimes, he should not get less than life in prison, and at worst case chances, less than 60 years. Now,
0: wait. We have a little more to say. Okay, so we have the second segment of more to say because this topic just, you know, it it deserves more. Let me give you guys an update on this case and another case that came uh, while I was editing. Uh, From Routers, headline, Charlottesville Neo-Nazi Sentenced to Life, Judge says, quote, too great a risk to release Uh, from the article. The 22-year-old neo-Nazi James Fields of Maumee, Ohio was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. He has sought a lesser sentence, apologizing after the court viewed video of him plowing his car into a crowd after the August 12, 2017 Unite the Right rally, also injuring 30 people. Uh, U.S. District Judge Michael... Urbansky was unmoved by his plea saying that he had to avert his eyes while the court viewed a graphic video of the attack that showed bodies flying into the air as fields crashed into them. Quote, just watching them is terrifying, unquote Urbansky said. The release of the defendant into a free society is too great a risk. Field's attorney suggested he felt intimidated and acted to protect himself. So, from a judge that understands what a domestic terrorist looks like, to a judge that wanted to show mercy for a rapist, from Yahoo, headline, judge ruled teen should get leniency in a rape case because he, quote, comes from a good family. A family court judge in New Jersey is under fire over the way he handled a rape case involving two, ne- involving two teenagers. In 2017, Judge James Troano ruled a then-16-year-old boy accused of raping a drunk teenage girl uh, should have leniency because, quote, he comes from a good family, attended an excellent school, and was an Eagle Scout, end quote. The judge also expressed concern whether the victim's family whether the victim's family had considered the devastating effect a trial in adult court would have on the boy's life. (laughs) Oh, be brave you American patriots. But in a scathing reversal in June, a New Jersey appeals court warned Troano uh, against siding with privileged teenagers. Prosecutors said the boy took cell phone. <laughs> Prosecutors said the boy took cell phone video of the alleged rape in the basement at a pajama party and sent the video to friends with a text reading when your first time having sex was rape. New Jersey law allows a juvenile to be tried as an adult if they're accused of a serious crime but the judge said a traditional case of rape generally involves two or more males using a weapon Sometimes in an abandoned shed or shack. Circumstances not matching the teen's alleged crime. I've heard way too many stories about this happening at parties. The rape can happen wherever. I need to continue reading before I start screaming. Quote, it should never matter what a defendant's background is. It should not matter if he is rich or poor, if he is black, white, brown, or yellow. The judge only looked at the boy's background and did not regard anything he did as particularly serious of sexual assault or even rape. Lyman said so to our point here in this episode there is a dire need of a complete and utter total overhaul for our criminal justice system And with that, I end the more to say segment. I'm going to scream in a paper bag now. On with the episode. I I want- I want to piggyback on what Mitch McConnell said. Mitch McConnell said that we have tried to combat our original sin by fighting about it in a Civil War. Hold on a second. Because I know quite a few people who don't understand that. Mitch McConnell says something that you should not say if you're a Republican. The Civil War wasn't about slavery. I've been told this at different jobs, I've been told this in different communications. It wasn't about slavery. It was about states' rights. It was about taxes. It was about everything but slavery. You, you, Mitch McConnell just said it was about slavery. That that's why we went to the Civil War. There, there, there's a speech called uh, "The Cornerstone" speech by. Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens he has a nice long tangent about his belief of where the Negro resides in the Confederacy. And this speech I'm, I'm going to bring it up because it, it was something that I I when I when I came across it, I, I needed to, uh, I needed to read it. So let me, let me pull this up. But not to be tedious in enumerating the numerous changes for the better. Allow me to allude to one other, though last, not least. The new constitution has put at rest forever All the agitating questions relating to our peculiar institution, African slavery as it exists amongst us, the proper status of the Negro in our form of civilization. This was the immediate cause of the late rupture and present revolution. Jefferson, in his forecast, had anticipated this as the rock upon which the old Union would split. He was right. What was conjecture with him is now a realized fact. But whether he fully comprehended the great truth upon which that rock stood and stands may be doubted. The prevailing ideas entertained by him and most of the leading statesmen at the time of the formation of the old constitution were that the enslavement of the Africana was in violation of the laws of nature, that it was wrong in principle, socially, morally, and politically. Our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid its cornerstone ruts upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man. That slavery, subordination to the superior race, is his natural and normal condition. Those at the North who still cling to these errors with a real zeal above knowledge, we justly denominate fanatics. All fantasism springs from an Aberration of the mind from a defect in reasoning. It is a species of insanity. One of the most striking characteristics of insanity in many instances is forming correct conclusions from fancied or erroneous premises. So with the anti-slavery fanatics, their conclusions are right if their premises were. They assume that the Negro is equal and hence conclude that he is entitled to equal privileges and rights with the white man. If their premises were correct, their conclusions would be logical and just. But their premise being wrong, their whole argument fails. Our system commits no such violation of nature's laws. With us all of the white race, however high or low, rich or poor, are equal in the eye of the law. Not so with the Negro. Subordination is his place. He, by nature, or by the curse against Canaan, is fitted for that condition which he occupies in our system. The architect, in the construction of buildings, lays the foundation with the proper material, The granite then comes the brick or the marble. The substratum of our society is made of the material fitted by nature for it, and by experience we know that it is best not only for the superior, but for the inferior race that it should be so. Anyone who tells you the Civil War wasn't fought because of slavery never read this speech, they don't know it exists, and they've been lied to. That was Alexander Stevens, the Vice President of the Confederacy, a group of traitors who decided to secede from the U.S., who some people parade as patriots. You can't say that you love your country and support that. The Confederacy was nothing but traitors to America. The Civil War wasn't fought about state rights. It wasn't fought about taxation, it was fought Like what the great Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said. Slavery. But he was wrong in saying that that was part of reparations because it didn't lead to a healing.
1: It led to a long, drawn-out, developing scar on the United States with the whole entire efforts of restriction of pe- of the black people's vote, the black people's rights, and the black community's whole entire essence as a whole in society. Slowly pushing it down, suppressing it, and trying to utterly suffocate it through legislation.
0: And it's still going on to this day. Yes, reparations are needed. You can argue whether or not a direct monetary amount needs to be handed to the descendants. Fine, we could argue about that. But don't you think for a second that in this country it's not needed.
1: The fact that reparations are supposedly not needed is ridiculous because the fact is that the black community is still suffering nowadays once again going back to inner city schools they're being underfunded we can easily fund that that can be a form of reparation fixing things to where it's an actual fair system again to where blacks are treated no differently than whites both in the education system the workplace and just in general society as a whole it is ridiculous That we are slowly eroding the qualities between the two groups. We've had it for generations, not fully, but more than we've had now and more than we had in the past with current developing issues. It can be fixed easily. Another form of of reparation that can be done is very very simple. And Brent, I think you agree with me on this one. Pardon all minor drug offenders that are currently in prison.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because because like I told you, we 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 literally have someone who committed murder mm-hmm. asking for mercy. Yet a what?
1: person, yet sorry for interrupting you. Yet a person of color in Florida found with a less than an ounce of pot on them, is given 30, 40, 50 years in prison, yeah. a high sentence, all because of a minority crime.
0: Yeah. And that's what our justice system deems as fair and just.
1: It is ridiculous.
0: And And you listeners, do your research on reparations. It's, it's not just, oh, we're looking for a handout. We're trying to get back what was old. The, the, the children and the reparation argument has been one of the biggest things I've been dealing with this week. So, John, what's the next topic?
1: <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to bring up is when it comes down to the effects on U.S. foreign policy. Okay. When it comes down to the Trump administration. So, an interesting little fact that a lot of people don't know. Trump has recently knocked over a domino. I think you know where I'm going with this. Are we talking about Iran? No. No? No, surprisingly not. Where are we traveling to? We are going back in time to last year. Trump said to the to the European Union that they need to hold up more of their own weight when it comes down to their militaries. That they need to start putting more money into military spending. Well, when Trump said that, what he meant was is that the European Union needs to start buying more U.S. military goods. That's not what happened. Now, what's happening is that the EU is rearming itself with its own weapons. And it's becoming independent and separate from the U.S. jurisdiction across the globe. Right now, Germany is taking the lead on global politics due to the incompetence of the Trump administration. Germany has just started creating the very first European army, allowing people from across Europe to enlist in the German army. That is not what the Trump administration wanted. And what did they want? Very simple the European Union to start buying more American weapons and more American goods when it comes down to military production. And that's not what happened. Now, Trump is actually walking back his words and trying to correct the situation that has happened. Mm -hmm. The fact is, at this point, we need we need to as a country start backing away from constant war and start and start focusing on what's happening here. We do not need to have our our fingers in every pie across the globe. The fact is is that before World War II there was spheres of influence. You had Europe handling their stuff, you had America handling their stuff, you had Russia handling their own little stuff. You you had Uh, Africa handling their little stuff and same thing with Asia and South America. Mm. Granted, European influence was in Africa. Japanese influence was in Asia. British influence was across the globe still. But here's the thing, people. We are going back to a time to where there was fears of influence again. And people are mistaking that as a threat to U.S. security. There are new players on the world stage. We need to accept it for what it is. They are equal to not, to us, not less than us. Yes, China is a dictatorship. We trade with them they're eventually going to have influence over the asian pacific russia yes they have their influence so does europe we have our influence but the thing is is that we can't keep acting like we have control over the globe we are becoming the sick man of the world to take, to coin a term that was used in the past during World War I. We need to focus on infrastructure here and start rebuilding our nation. We are crumbling. We are falling apart. Not caring about our people, not caring about our citizens, and not caring about what's happening within our own borders. Too busy, worried about what's going on across the globe. Trying to gain more resources to protect those of the rich and offer them more money. More influence, more control. That's not what they need. Going on to the little subject of Joe Biden.
0: We haven't even got it there yet. Oh, I know.
1: (laughs) But this is related to what's going on. Okay. (laughs) Joe Biden told a bunch of wealthy constituents in a private meeting. Don't worry. Under my presidency, nothing shall fundamentally change. How do you people feel about that? How do you people feel about going back to the status quo? about going back to what it was before the Trump presidency. You think that's a good idea? Do you want that? Cuz Joe Biden is falling in the polls. I don't think anyone wants to deal with that. Anyone wants to go back to that? That's a thing. We're on the left. We're progressives. We want change. He's not offering it. He's offering us the same old same old rice pudding we've gotten for the last 80 years. <laughs> Just saying that there's a new flavor in it. (laughs) They quote an old saying, don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining. I mean, that rain is a little bit sticky. I'm I'm just going to say that. (laughs) But the fact is is that you got the corporations running, running the scenes, and we're taking it back. The people are taking it back. And it's about time we do something, because it's getting ridiculous now. Because... Now, there's a possible war with Iran. And you got war hawks like John Bolton whispering into Donald Trump's ear.
0: Wasn't John Bolton around when George W. Bush was in office?
1: Yeah, and guess who got us into the war in Iraq and Afghanistan? Was it John Bolton? Yes. (gasps) Now he wants another war with Iran. What? And guess what? It only cost us 130,000 troops just to invade just to invade. That's not to do regime change. That's just to invade people.
0: Pay attention to history, people. Please pay attention to history. All right? I mean, there, there's so much going on. The fact that we have Trump who who says he he did everything in his power... To turn the tide on invading Iran, when reports are coming out, no, that's not what happened. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the fact that the Democrats came to him and begged him not to attack Iran for attacking a drone. Just, just, just as a side note, okay. Iran blew up a drone that was in their waters.
1: An unmanned aircraft.
0: Four soldiers died because of an ambush in Niger. They were not equipped. They did not have protection. They did not have weapons. They were ambushed. Four soldiers in Niger died.
1: Yet you don't hear us talking about that.
0: Not at all. But a drone, a a drone is something that we might go to war over. And
1: the thing is, people, the thing is, people, the Trump administration, no matter how much they say they care about the troops, let's be honest, the troops to them are a political pawn. They're nothing else.
0: If they cared about the troops, the VA wouldn't be in such disarray. If they
1: cared about the troops, we would be out of the war in Iraq. We'd be out of the war in Afghanistan. We wouldn't be in a 10-year-long war. We wouldn't be trying to start a war with Iran. We would have other troops home. They'd be sipping martinis out in Hawaii.
0: If they cared about our troops, the GI Bill wouldn't be crap.
1: Exactly.
0: So um, let's wrap things up talking about the 2020 candidates. Uh, like John said, Joe Biden look he he, he he talked this week about longing for the civility of better times when he could work with uh, the white supremacists in his party. And I get his point. I, I understand his point. I understand where he was coming from. You could get things done. One. You're not helping yourself.
1: Two, it's not the 1970s.
0: Three, that's your own party. What would have been helpful?
1: Is if he registered as a Republican. No.
0: (laughs) Is if he brought up a time where he actually had to reach across the aisle and work with a Republican. To show that he can be bipartisan. He could do that. But I I will say it simply like this. If Mitch McConnell is still majority leader in the Senate, he's not going to get anything done. He was around when Obama was in office. The Senate passed nothing. So so don't, don't give me the, oh, when Trump is gone, we'll return to normalcy. No, we're not.
1: No, we're not. Well, don't worry. Under his presidency, nothing shall fundamentally change.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so then we have uh Bernie Sanders, you are a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. I he, Look, you just heard my thoughts on on Joe Biden. I'm waiting. I, as far as I'm concerned, the preseason is about to start when it comes to this nomination process. We haven't even hit the regular season yet. I know. So, I'm not putting my I'm not putting my eggs in with anyone yet. I have I have some that I like. Joe Biden is one of those that is constantly falling.
1: Now, the one thing I should mention that a lot of people don't know um, about Bernie Sanders is that he actually marched with Martin Luther King. Oh yeah, not people don't know that surprisingly.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, no. They just focus on the fact that he is a socialist. But yeah. yes, he he does have a history of uh, being involved in the civil rights movement.
1: There was a bit of an issue that just happened recently, actually in the last week. To where Bernie Sanders came out and called Elizabeth Warren a corporate Democrat. And a lot of people are taking issue with it. But the thing is is that I think a lot of people are missing the, subs- the substance of the comment. It's the fact that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren both understand each other. But at the same time, he is planning for in case he fails. And the thing is, is that Elizabeth Warren is one of the very few people who is teetering on universal health care, the the baby that he's been fighting for. The reason why he pitched that is because he wanted her to finally be on board with it. He's not doing it because he's trying to screw her over in the polls. He's doing it because he wants to make sure that if he loses, she's going to carry the torch for what he's trying to push.
0: Yeah. And and to be fair, I was one of those who, who looked at you funny when you told me that. Mm-hmm. And when you explained it, yes, that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense. Because those two candidates, they they are very similar in what in what they uh what they are running mm-hmm. for. So it, it would make sense that should Bernie Sanders fail, he would have a successor if she is the one who succeeds. Mm-hmm. And like like I said, I have I have candidates who I really like. Joe Biden is one; of those that are constantly falling, and everybody else is in the middle. We're going to see what happens with these debates. There's one in July. There's one coming up, and we we'll see what happens. Some of these candidates are going to fall away before I make it. Before I make a decision, maybe it's going to be one that I really liked. I. I'll be honest with you there was one candidate uh that I was really impressed by when I was watching uh the South Carolina Democratic Convention. Who's that? That was uh the author Marianne, I forget her last name. Marianne Webster? Yes. I I w- her her speech was impressive and I really want to see how she is on the debate stage because if you're able to talk that's one thing what do you believe in and and by the time the convention was done i was putting thoughts on different candidate on uh the candidates that i was watching and most of my responses were for candidate a what do you believe candidate b what do you believe candidate c a lot of, a lot of lip service what do you believe so i'm, I'm waiting to see where these people stand
1: my big concern is uh, they're already trying to manipulate the uh, DNC with the uh, coming uh, debates because if you looked at who is going to be uh, given their debates against who Elizabeth Warren is separated from the rest of the heavy hitters Mm -hmm. and I'll give you the answer why Joe Biden was one of the people who signed off and caused the 2008 recession that we had. And the thing is, is that he's actually bought out by the banks. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Warren got into politics because of Joe Biden, because she was fighting against the banks. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that Elizabeth Warren, she is my second favorite candidate, obviously behind Bernie Sanders. But the thing is is that she's got some potency to her, some venom when it comes down to Joe Biden because she can hit his Achilles heel, the banks. Mm. Because she can bring that up. She can bring up his past because she was the one who fought against it. Yeah. That's how she became the fa- the famous politician that she is now. And the thing is is that they're putting her On the first debate with all the politicians that are running less than 3% of the polls. And that should say something. They're trying to snuff her out. Because they know that she is a challenge to Joe Biden. You you could look at it
0: this way. Or you could look at, at it another way. She's away from day two. You're, you're going to have 10 people fighting for time in this debate stage, so time is of the essence. She doesn't have to deal with the chaos that's going to happen in day two because everybody's going to be clamoring for time to either hit Joe Biden or try some way to make a name for themselves.
1: The problem that concerns me, though, is is that you already have a fan base for multiple of these politicians. And the thing is, is that... With these heavy hitters, you're gonna have, in my mind, more people watching the second night because you got more of you got more of the politicians that are out there uh, yeah. on the stage. And the thing is that you'll be able to hear their debated ideas between them and actually cause a transfer of votes between.
0: And and the thing about it, it and I, I'll agree, it was one of the things when uh, it was announced that uh, she was going to be on the first night away from basically everyone else. I, I understood where you're coming from because I felt the same way, and honestly, I fe- I feel like the heavy hitters should have been a little bit more evenly spaced out. You know, may- maybe you give some more of those who are at three or one percent time on the second night facing off against the heavy hitters, and bring more heavy hitters to the first night. But but don't don't let it be heavy hitters the warm up act and then. Everyone else, so I, I get where you're coming from with yeah. This. They
1: shouldn't they shouldn't be putting one of the heavy hitters at the kids table. Yeah. What they should be doing is they should be mixing up both together. They have to stop this kids table stuff because it's getting ridiculous. The fact is that you should have half and half split between the two. You should have a jambalaya of both. Oh yeah, in the debates, both the heavy hitters and both the weaker candidates, so that way both can get their time in the sun.
0: Mm-hmm. That way there there isn't a, oh, this is definitely a kids' table. It's, oh, this person's been falling, but this person's been right. I don't know what table this is. So you have to go for both. Mm-hmm. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I'm going to be watching both nights.
1: I'll be watching both nights as well.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to be doing that, and I pray to all that is holy that the moderators do not ask a question about what trump is live tweeting but since chuck todd is a moderator i'm going to assume he's going to ask that i don't like chuck todd that much i don't like him that much so that let let's let's call that an episode i want to thank Duncan Kirkwood again for coming on the show, talking with me. I want to thank John for being the magical student that he is. Always glad to be around to help out. <laughs> and joining me on this journey. Once again, it was a long one. It's what happens when the two of us are together and you put mics in front of us. We don't know when to shut up. <laughs> so coming up uh the next episode i want to i want to make it a little bit fun and i have an idea of how to do that i just need to get in touch with a specific owner and we'll take it from there that's a nice little hint a nice little tease yes yes we will continue to (laughs) script things and we will keep things going if anything crazy happens we will do shortened jive yak episode so that you guys know what is going on so on behalf of vp becky john well and john i am brent thank you for listening we'll see you next
1: time make sure to get out and vote on june
0: 25th vote bye